would invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. If you're not sure where that is, in your bulletins is printed the page number of the book of Jonah uh, in the red Bibles and the chairs around you. Or if you've got a different Bible and you're not sure where it is, if you'll turn to the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just go left a little bit, you'll come to Jonah very quickly. We're starting a new series, a new study, as we're looking at this very well-known story, the story of the prophet Jonah. Follow along as I read to you verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1 of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to this new portion of your word and we pray that as we do so that you would open our eyes to see what you want us to see, that you would help us to understand what we need to understand, that we would grow in our love for you and our obedience to you. Father, help us to see Jesus as we look at the book of Jonah. We ask this in his name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever been surprised by grace. Have you ever had a time when someone showed you grace or showed you mercy when you weren't expecting it? Or maybe when you were expecting the opposite, when you didn't deserve it? Uh, Maybe you're driving on Road 14 coming into Rochester from uh, from Byron or, or that area and you're driving the speed limit and you're driving 65 miles an hour and you get closer to the outskirts of Rochester and you see the... Speed limit changes to 50 and then very quickly changes to 30 and you didn't quite get down to the numbers that you should have and there was a state trooper and he pulled you over. But rather than giving you a ticket, which you deserved, he let you go with just a warning. Maybe you've made a mistake at work, a mistake that's worthy of being fired, but Rather than being fired, your boss acknowledges it and lets it go, and it doesn't even impact your work. Young people, maybe you can think of a time when you've disobeyed your mom or dad, and you deserved to get punished, you deserved to maybe get grounded. But rather than punishing you, they called you in and discussed it with you and then let it go. Maybe you've gone to the gas station and filled your tank full of gas and then realized that you forgot your wallet. And you go into the store and explain the situation to the cashier and 
she pays for your gas for you. Maybe you've done something to someone and you expected them to retaliate. But rather than retaliating, they turned the other cheek. Surprised by grace. Surprised by mercy when you weren't expecting it, when you didn't deserve it. There are lots of stories like that in the Bible. Lots of stories of God showing His grace and showing His mercy to people who don't deserve it and weren't expecting it. And the book of Jonah is one of those stories. We're going to see here, even in the very first three verses of the book, a God who is gracious and merciful to people who don't deserve it. Today, as we look at these first three verses, I want us to look and see what we're told about the command that the Lord gave to Jonah and how Jonah responded to that command. And then we'll finish by asking ourselves, so what? What difference does this make? Before we jump into the beginning part of the story, it might be helpful for us to get a few uh, parts of context for the book as we jump into this new book. We don't know who wrote this book. And we don't know exactly when it was written. It's likely that it was written probably in the early 700s B.C. We also don't know when the events in the book took place. We do know from 2 Kings chapter 14 that Jonah prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II, which was 793 to 753 B.C. So it's likely that the story that we have recorded for us is the book of Jonah, took place during that time period. And yes, you can tell by the way I'm telling you that, that this is a real story. This, these are actual events that took place. This is not just a, a fictional account. It's not just a, a parable, not just a story that was made up. We also know that this book, the book of Jonah, is different from all of the other prophetical books in the Bible. All, all of the other prophetical books in the Bible tell the message of the prophet. The prophet is sent out with a message and the book tells us about the message of the prophet. Jonah tells us about the story of the prophet. It might also be helpful to know a little bit about what the world was like when Jonah was prophesying. He was around about 150 years after King Solomon. Israel had divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Jonah was from the clan or the tribe of Zebulun. That was a part of the northern kingdom. That's where he lived and where he prophesied. As I mentioned, Jeroboam II was king of the northern kingdom during this time period. And he was one of the many wicked kings of Israel. The northern kingdom had a lot of problems, a lot of issues. They dealt with idolatry and rebellion of the people against the Lord. But they also dealt with political and military problems as well. Just to the north and to the west of Israel was the world's superpower of the time, the Assyrian Empire. Before the events that we read about in the book of Jonah, earlier in Jonah's career as a prophet, God used Jonah to prophesy to Jeroboam about how Israel would have military success against Assyria, retaking some of the land that the Assyrians had captured. Those were the happier days of Jonah's prophesying. The picture that we get of Jonah is 
a man who was a devout and ardent loyalist to Israel. Very pro-Israel, very proud Israel, very anti-other nations. So how does this story begin? How does the book begin? It begins with God calling out Jonah and giving him a command. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. It starts with some very important words. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now I want you to notice, if you have the ESV translation and some of the other translations as well, the the word Lord there is in all capital letters. That's indicating to us that the word in Hebrew there is the word Yahweh. The word of Yahweh came to Jonah. That means that the Lord was reminding Jonah that he was the covenant-keeping, faithful, loving, gracious God. Right at the beginning, we know that Jonah had every reason to listen to this word and to be encouraged by it and be at peace with it and to obey it. This was not the word of a wicked king. This was not the word of some world leader in another country. This was not the word of Satan. This was not the word of rumors or gossip. This was the word of Yahweh. It was the good, trustworthy, life-producing, grace-giving Word of God. And what was the Word? Well, look at verse 2. It's actually two words that begin in verse 2. Arise and go. Two imperatives, two commands written to emphasize, to communicate urgency to Jonah. The Lord is telling Jonah, get up now and go. Don't wait, don't delay, don't second guess. Get moving now. Go. And where was he supposed to go? Well, again, in verse 2, we read that he was to go to Nineveh, that great city. Nineveh was likely the capital of Assyria. It certainly was their military capital. It was located in what we now know as modern-day Iraq, Uh, where the city of Mosul in Iraq is. Mosul was a hotbed of military action during the Iraq war and during the time of fighting with ISIS. Nineveh was about 550 miles northeast, northeast of Jerusalem. It was a city that was surrounded by massive walls that reached 100 feet tall. The city had at least 120,000 people in it. And notice that God calls it that great city. The word great there can be translated important, leading, chief. God is communicating to Jonah that he has a mission for Jonah to go to Nineveh because it was a significant city. Now, why did Jonah need to go there? Well, again, go back to verse 2. God says, I want you to call out against Nineveh for their evil has come up before me. Now, we're not given any details here at this portion of the passage about what the evil is that has come before the Lord. We're just told that the evil had gotten God's attention and he meant to deal with it. But we do know some things about the Assyrian Empire. It was a pagan empire. Their people worshipped many false gods and idols. 
And we also know that they were particularly brutal and barbaric in the ways that they treated their enemies. One Assyrian scholar wrote these difficult words to listen to. The emperor Shalmaneser III is well known for depicting torture, dismembering and decapitations of their enemies in grisly detail on large stone panels. Assyrian history is as gory and blood-curdling a history as we know. After capturing enemies, the Assyrians would typically cut off their legs and one arm, leaving the other arm and hand intact so they could shake their victim's hand in mockery as they died. They forced friends and family members to parade with the heads of their loved ones elevated on poles. They often flayed enemies alive and displayed their skin on the city walls. They burned children alive. Those who survived the destruction of their cities were fated to endure cruel and violent forms of slavery. The Assyrians have been rightly called a terrorist state. This is who God was calling Jonah to go and proclaim the word of the Lord to. He was calling Jonah, a very pro and proud Israelite nationalist, to go to the capital of his greatest enemy. A place that was known for some of the greatest, most brutal, gory, depraved violence in the history of the world. And when he got there, he was to call out against them on behalf of the Lord God Almighty. One of the pastors that I was listening to preaching on this this past week said it would be like if a Jewish citizen in Jerusalem was called in 1945 to go to the streets of Berlin to call out against Nazism. What would you have done? What did Jonah do? Well, we get what Jonah did in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. It doesn't start out very well, does it? But Jonah. Jonah obeyed the first part of the command to arise and go. He got up and immediately got going. The problem is is that he didn't go to where he was supposed to go. He didn't go to Nineveh. He rose to flee to Tarshish, it says. We aren't 100% sure where the the area or the city of Tarshish was located. Uh, Scholars believe that it was likely uh, a port city on the southwest coast of Spain in the Mediterranean Sea. We know that Jonah was heading in that direction because we're told in the text he went down to Joppa and found a ship. And it's interesting that he went to Joppa. Joppa was on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, just north of Israel. But it was not under the territory of the Israelites. It was a pagan city. It's interesting that Jonah chose not to go to a port in Israel, but to go somewhere where he knew there would be no people of God. And here's the important point. Jonah got up. And he went in exactly the opposite direction that the Lord told him to go. Nineveh was 550 miles to the east and Jonah was going west. I want you to notice 
the narrator tells us here what Jonah was trying to do. Look at verse 3 and verse at the beginning and at the end. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Why? To get away from the presence of the Lord. And he says it again at the end of verse 3. Now, we know Jonah was a prophet of the Lord God Almighty. And by historical accounts, he was, until we get to this part of his life, he was faithful in proclaiming the word of the Lord. He was faithful as being a prophet of God. And as a prophet, he likely would have had uh, the ability to get to and read the various portions of Scripture that were available at that point. Jonah was likely a good theologian. Jonah would have known there is no place you can go to get away from the presence of the Lord. There's no place that you can go to be outside of the view of the sovereign God of the universe. So what's being said here in verse 3 is probably what, that Jonah was trying to get out of Israel. He, he was trying to go somewhere where he knew there wouldn't be any people of God. He knew that God could accomplish the mission in Nineveh with somebody else. And he knew that if he could get out of Israel and he could be around a bunch of pagan people, maybe God would just leave him alone. Maybe the word of the Lord wouldn't come back to him there. So Jonah went to the port city of Joppa. He found a ship that was getting ready to set sail to go west across the Mediterranean Sea. He paid his fare and he got in. Now, why did Jonah do this? I want you to notice that we aren't given a lot of explanation here in these first three verses. We aren't given what was really going on in Jonah's, Jonah's head here in the, the beginning verses of the book. But we can, we can kind of guess that there might have been several reasons why Jonah did this. Nineveh was a long way away, 550 miles from Jerusalem. It would have taken him a long time to get there, and he would have been away from his family and his friends for a long period of time. And that maybe in and of itself would have been a reason not to go. It also would have been a very difficult journey for someone to go that far in that time period. And certainly, Jonah knew that it would be dangerous. He knew the reputation of the Assyrians. He knew that his very life could be in danger. That could have been his rationale. He could have been thinking, you know, this is just a futile mission. Those people are not going to listen to me. And it could have been that Jonah didn't want to be accused of being a traitor. Going to the great enemy of Israel. But I think there's actually something else that was motivating Jonah to disobey the Lord. We can surmise what that reason is now from what we know about Jonah, both from this book and also from Second Kings. And we'll also find out that he gives us more of an explanation in chapter 4. Jonah knew that the God that he served was a God of grace and mercy. And Jonah knew that God might use Jonah to, be, to bring that grace and mercy of the Lord to the people of Nineveh. And he disobeyed the Lord God Almighty because he didn't want Nineveh to have the chance to repent. Jonah resented the possibility of being the instrument that the Lord would use to bring good news to the Assyrians. 
as a proud, God-fearing, Israelite prophet, he hated the idea that those evil people over there could be shown grace. You see the irony? Who was the one who was being the evil sinner? It was Jonah. Who was the one who truly needed the grace of God? It was Jonah. And that takes us to thinking about what we take away from just these first three verses. The, the so what? What difference does this make for us? There are three things that I want us to think about today in terms of the takeaways. These are, these are important themes that are going to work their way all the way through the book that we'll come back to over and over again. But we see them already in these first three verses. And the first is this. The Lord God Almighty is a sovereign God. God is not just the God of Israel. He's not just the Lord of those who serve Him. The Lord God Almighty is the sovereign creator of the universe. And even during a period of time of history, when God was choosing to work in and to bless one special nation as His people, He still had His eye on the whole world, even the Assyrians. He not only sent his prophets to call those who were his people to faith and repentance, he also would send his word into the darkest and most evil places in the world. Abraham Kuyper is known for saying something along the lines of there is not one square inch of the universe, there's not one square inch of all of life where Jesus doesn't say mine. God is the sovereign creator over all of his creation. Now, we're going to talk more about that as we work our way through the book. But just for now, I want you to reflect on the fact that the sovereignty of God is motivation for us to send Katie to Cambodia. And, and, to, and to send the Hoots to Bulgaria and to send the McCafferty's to Cambodia. The sovereignty of God is the motivation for us to live out our faith and our vocations. The sovereignty of God is the motivation for us to live Christianly on our street and in our neighborhood. It is the motivation for us to be praying earnestly for missionaries and churches in places like the Ukraine. The sovereignty of God is the motivation for us to be praying to the Lord that he would raise up more Katie's and Ruthie's and Becca's and Sean's and Heather's from within our congregation to take the word of the Lord to the world. God is sovereign and his attention is on every corner of the world and it is his prerogative, it is his will to gather people from every nation and tribe and language. A second thing that we need to reflect on as we look at the book of Jonah is the grace of God. We can see that a couple different ways here in these first few verses. The first way we see the grace of God is with the Assyrians themselves. God is sending a prophet of the Lord God Almighty, of the sovereign Lord God Almighty, to the city of Nineveh. With as much evil and pagan idolatry that took place in Assyria, God could have wiped them off the face of the earth at that very moment and he would have been just for doing so. But instead, the Lord decides to send his word into the very heart of the Assyrian Empire. 
It shows our God as long-suffering and patient and gracious and merciful, certainly where it's not deserved. And if you're one of God's people, then He's done that for you too. He has sent someone to tell you the good news of the gospel so that you could hear it. Or He has placed you into a godly family where you've been hearing the gospel your entire life. He's opened your eyes to see His truth and grace when you never could deserve it. So with that in mind, I want you to reflect on this question. Are there people that you don't want God's grace to go to? Are there people that you think they are just too evil? They are too far. People that you don't like. People that you want to get justice. When we think that way, we're thinking like Jonah. We've experienced the grace of God when we didn't deserve it and never could. And we should want others to experience that grace and mercy of the Lord God Almighty as well. We see God's grace here not just with the Assyrians, but we we also see God's grace in the way that God dealt with Jonah. How God responded to Jonah. Now, next week, Pastor Steve is going to begin with verse 4 and kind of keep us walking through through the story. But would you look just at the first three words of verse 4? Some of the most important and greatest words in all of Scripture. But the Lord. Those are the words of God's grace. It's meant to contrast. We we see in verses 1 and 2 that the Lord commanded Jonah to go. To go to Nineveh. And then we see those two words at the beginning of verse 3. But Jonah. He went the opposite direction. And God would have been right. He would have been just to wipe Jonah off the face of the earth at that very moment. And yet, but the Lord. These are the words of God's surprising and undeserved mercy. It reminds us of the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2. Speaking to God's people, Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." Paul's saying, we deserved death. We deserved eternal damnation. We deserved eternal separation from God. We were children of wrath, just like the Assyrians. But God, when we didn't deserve it, covered us with His grace. 
He opened our eyes that we could see the gospel. He gave us faith that we needed to believe. He shows us the love of our Savior Jesus who died on the cross so that we could get forgiveness and be declared righteous in His sight. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you have experienced the surprising grace and mercy and kindness of the Lord. And we remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, that God's kindness, God's grace, God's mercy is meant to move us. It's meant to lead us to repentance. The person and the work of Jesus is how we were made right with God. And the person and work of Jesus is also the motivation and the power for us to grow more like our Savior. We need to spend the rest of our lives learning the depth of God's grace to us so that we will then grow in our love for our Father and our obedience to Him. And that's the third and final takeaway for today. The call to be obedient to our Father in Heaven. The story of Jonah is going to show us over and over again that disobeying the Lord always ends up in a bad result. Not always immediately. And sometimes disobedience brings temporary enjoyment. But it will always eventually end badly. Disability, disobedience always comes with a cost. Maybe not financial. Maybe not immediately. But disobedience always costs us something, if nothing else, our good relationship with the Lord. And it never delivers completely on the enjoyment that it promises. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we as we close for today, let's remember the grace of the Lord. Let's let's grow in our understanding of God's undeserved, surprising grace and mercy to us. And then in response, let's love the Lord more than we do our sin. And let's live lives of obedience to the Lord in response to his surprising grace to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for including the story of Jonah in your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have of reading it and studying it. And I pray that as we do that, that you would open our eyes. I pray, Father, that we would come away from our study truly with a greater love for you. And that that love would flower into greater obedience and following you. And Father, as we come to the Lord's Supper, we pray that once again you would show us the work of our Savior and how you really are enough. We pray this in his name. Amen.